ain't on the same shit, no way You ain't from my planet, we don't speak the same language This is an occasion, ain't it? I'm feeling good and hate And to give you an update on everything, I mean, my life has been a roller coaster, just like it's always been. But now I have a little more context. And the reason why I have context is because I was recently diagnosed as bipolar too. What you heard at the beginning of this episode was part of my weekly production call with my team now, my um, film team. Uh, for developing uh, the proof of concepts that we're calling normalized and this is a film based on this podcast and i've kind of hinted at this project for the past couple of months and it started in earnest a little less than a year ago and so um i think this speaks volumes to kind of a lot of the topics that we're going to talk about today and i want to introduce our speaker um cj i hope it's okay if i introduce you that way charles penny who um who actually created his own podcast called The Normalized Podcast, which I have been an avid fan and listener of. And the podcast really addressed a lot of um, issues about the stigma, I think, in the Black community and his own personal experience of combating his own um, mental health. And so normalizing, as we see Charles's uh, podcast, normalizing, being open, you know, May was mental, May has been mental health month, you know, really acknowledging you like, I am not okay. How are you doing? And then holding each other accountable in a supportive way. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation's policy session entitled Moving to Racial Equity in Transportation, sponsored by State Farms. Thank you, Dr. Mena, for that introduction. As we have heard, transportation is critical to the economic and social mobility of families and communities. Uneven transportation access can be considered the very definition of structural inequality. This is why I'm excited to moderate this important discussion. I will be joined by the following panelists. Charles Penny, Chief of Transit and Sustainable Transportation for the City of Baltimore, <laughs> what is up? What is up? What is good, everybody? What is good, family? Welcome to the latest episode of the Normalized Podcast. I am CJ, your host, and as always, I thank you for your time and attention. Normalizedpodcast.com is where you can find all the latest episodes. Catch up on seasons one, two, three. This is season four, episode 36, Changes. Um, if you're a first-time listener, I really welcome you. Thank you for joining the Normalized family. I like to think this is a unique podcast because I started off about me sharing my story of my journey to becoming normal as a black male in the United States of America. It's kind of evolved. Um, The first two seasons were just about me. Season three, I brought along four friends to share their journey to becoming normal. In season four, it's kind of back to me. And what has been going on the past couple months? Well, I haven't been able to put out a show because I've been in one of my funky moods. And if you're a continued listener, you know I struggle with bipolar, and when one of my manic or depressive moods or states or episodes, whatever you want to call it, whenever they kick in, man, it can be hard for me to focus. But I'm back. I'm here. I'm here. So let's just let's just get it started. Changes. A lot of changes have been happening. I'm sure we've all been experiencing changes since COVID-19. Uh, in the past couple months, I've really been trying to work, be on my grind. 
uh, regardless of the pandemic, being in uh, speaking on uh, guest lectures or panels, interviews, whatever it may be, um, to try to keep focused and keep moving and keep progressing in life. And my worlds are like colliding. I'm a person who's always liked to have, I'm a control freak and I've always liked things to be separate. So I used to even keep like my girlfriend separate from my friends. I just wanted everything separate. And now my worlds are colliding. I like to keep my normalized life separate from my work life and my personal life. And it's just kind of all melting into one big blob. But hey, I mean, that's okay. Um, I just have to remember to slow down take a deep breath and focus on what I'm supposed to be focusing on. Um, But when I don't, things can become overwhelming. And as I sat down and began to think about this episode and what I wanted to talk about, I was thinking, why do I always find myself in these situations where I'm chasing something um, and I'm on the grind, but it never necessarily leads me to peace, calm or happiness? So what, what is that about? And so I had to take a step back and and really look at my past. So change. Change is inevitable. Um, Duh. Everybody knows that, right? You can't really run away from it. You can't hide from it. It's going to happen. In my life, it was ever present. Um, The first major change in my life started with my father leaving when I was around two. It continued as my mom struggled to maintain a job. So she was always working two to three just to make ends meet. It evolved into me living in four different places throughout high school. Shit, I couldn't even take public transit to school without changing buses two to three times. I defined the change I experienced as subtle chaos. I became used to it and eventually became addicted to the chaos. The chaos fed my mental illness, which manifested itself in many different ways, namely very risky behavior. Um, I was never able to settle. If you're a person who always wants more, well, then you're probably like me. And if you're like me, then you know, never settling means rarely being grateful for things that you do have. So yes, that is me. Always changing, never settling, rarely grateful. If you go back to listen to episodes one through five, you can hear these themes throughout. Um, But there was definitely one moment in my life that changed the trajectory of where I was headed. And it was when I was around 15 years old, 15 or 16 years old. Actually, the story was told in episode seven, me and the cops, but the story was told for a different purpose. Here, I'm explaining it to you because of the significance it had in my life. So, like I said, the incident took place when I was around 15 or 16. Uh, Me and my boy, Ted, were going to go see my boy, Jay, at his house. So we were just walking through the neighborhood. It was nighttime and we walked by a house with a whole bunch of people standing in front. And when we stopped to talk to the people, uh, one of the persons who lived there said that her house had just been robbed. And so she talked to us about, you know, what that felt like and whatever, whatever. We chopped it up and then me and my boy kept it moving. Um, As we were walking, we came across two cops. The cop stopped us, asked us for our information. My boy gave his information. I was a little more defiant at the time. I had problems with authority, I I admit. Um, So the cops basically said, look, you fit this uh, description of, you know, the person who robbed that house. And we were like, look, we were just talking to the people. Everybody fits the description of, you know, a dark person. It's dark outside. Um, cops didn't really like what I had to say. They said if I didn't give the information that they were going to arrest me for an impeding investigation. I held my hands out, said arrest me then, and they obliged and arrested my ass. Um, they walked me back down to my mom's house. And the walk back was a pretty tense walk because one of the cops was really berating me and really just um, just laying into me. When we got to my mom's house, um, I'll never forget the look on my mom's face when she opened the door. She had that look like, what the hell, CJ? 
um, I had just left the house. So how much trouble could I have gotten into in such a quick period of time? You know, she had just gotten back from work. She just probably wanted to rest. And the last thing that she needs to see is two white men holding her son in handcuffs. And I got in there. The cops continued to berate me and my mom, for that matter, telling her that she was raising a bad child and that I was going to end up in jail. Now, I can't imagine what my mom was feeling. I mean, I do know as a parent to have somebody question and judge you when you're working as hard as you can, doing everything you can for your child, and then basically say what you're doing is not just wrong, but it's almost like irresponsible that you're raising a horrible child. Um, I never really talked to my mom about how that day made her feel. Maybe one day I'll go and talk to her about that. She's, she's a tough woman, so she'll probably just shrug it off and say, I know how I made you feel. You went into your bedroom yelling and screaming like a little, <laughs> a little punk. Um, but I did go into my bedroom, like, really pissed off. Um, and that day, that very day, I got the biggest chip on my shoulder. And look, I know the reason why the cops were fucking with us back in the early 90s was because I was black. I mean, there, there's no question in my mind about that. But it's so much bigger than that because my father was a cop and so I felt like these men kind of reflected him and they were so dismissive of me in a way that I thought my father was dismissive of me and it gave me a feeling of inadequacy uh, that I just wasn't good enough and so from that point on I was going to be good enough and I knew there were things I was not good at but I had a chip on my shoulder that I was going to figure out whatever it may be and if I didn't figure it out, my arrogance wouldn't let me hold my head in shame for too long because I just couldn't allow myself to feel inadequate like that. And that is a problem because I became a jerk, a dick, and there was just like no humility to me. I am 25 years later and I still have that chip on my shoulder uh, you can hear it a lot in the episodes and I think some of my friends may say man you weren't that big of a dick or you know <laughs> but there's a lot of things that they don't know um, so some people may see me as being motivated or very driven but that motivation and drive will put me in situations that I'm way over my head and I won't lie I feel like there's two situations right now in my life that I may have gotten in a little over my head the first thing is this movie that I'm making normalize the film and the second thing is a job in Chicago that I just took so yeah that's me always changing never settling rarely grateful now when the movie came up it was an amazing opportunity but to be honest did my soul need it nah did my ego need it yeah no doubt and i'm sure some of you can relate i mean there's nothing wrong with needing something to make you feel good every now and then i knew the podcast couldn't go on forever so i needed a plan b it was year three of the podcast and the naive me thought i was supposed to have been rich by then i mean it was such an original idea and once the shit goes viral, bam, right? That's how it's supposed to work. Um, I always have to get more. 
Never mind the fact when I started the podcast, I always said it was going to be not for the fame, but I just wanted to help people. Well, I knew for a fact at the time my podcast was helping people just because of the ones who reached out to me and told me so. But that ain't work out the way I planned, so never settle. I have a good podcast that only a hand few people know about. I got to make moves. I got to do more. So I try to be grateful, but it's just hard for me. So I put the cast and crew together. That's more money, more problems. The changes are for real. The changes add stress. Like I said before, I have a chip on my shoulder. And to fail, well, that's the biggest fear of all. That's just not an option for me. Well, You know, if change is inevitable, if things happen for a reason, to not embrace change can be like turning your back on God. Now, if you'd have asked me a couple months ago if I was happy with my career, I would have given you at least a half yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter was, I had a great job. I was the chief of transit and sustainable transportation for the city of Baltimore. I had a great staff. I had a job that really impacted people's lives. I was close to home. I was making six figures. And I really didn't have anything to stress about. Then one day I get a knock on the door, so to speak. It was an invite on LinkedIn to connect with the individual who had an opportunity for me. He said it was a great paying job in Chicago, still in my career, but it was Chicago. If you know me, I hate cold and I didn't want to relocate. But a wise man once told me, you can always open the door. It doesn't mean you have to walk through. So I engaged. I had a couple conversations which turned into an interview. The interview turned into multiple interviews. Now, the job was going back to the private sector, something I wasn't a fan of. But the reality is, it's such a rare position to hold, which they asked me to do. I was honored. I mean, for my age, you just don't see it. Let alone for my race, you definitely don't see that. So after the third interview, I finally got to meet the client. And they loved what I have to say. They told him to make me an offer. So an offer was made that more than doubled my salary. That's real change. concept, the idea, shit, just the thought of change can be unsettling. Many of us would prefer to shy away from it no matter how big or small the change is. However, change is an integral part of our development and our journey through life, and it must be embraced. It does impact all aspects of our life. It enables us to become the people that we want to be. Practicing and enacting change in yourself is one of the most rewarding processes you'll ever experience. It also displays a valuable skill set. If you are able to pinpoint areas in your life that you're unhappy with or need further development, being able to change your approach shows your commitment to progression and a confidence in your own ability. In order to avoid stagnation, it's important for internal changes to be made almost continuously. 
No matter whether it's changing the way you present yourself, developing certain skills, taking a course of action, whatever it is to change up a routine, you are your own boss in life, and a huge amount of change comes from within. Or at least that's what fucking Google says. I don't know. I mean, like I said, change is inevitable, but I'm a person who typically forces change. And again, when you're always changing, never settling, rarely grateful, change can be a bad thing. Think about change in your life. How has that change come? Were you the one who inspired it? Was it forced upon you? I guess no matter what the change was, it all just depends on how you handle it. So yeah, the movie is a big deal. There's a lot of responsibility I have. I have a whole cast and crew. The people are depending on me. These people are believing in me. They're believing in the story. They're believing in what you, the listeners, are believing in. That's a lot of pressure. And the script is always changing. The budget's always changing. My head wants to explode and I get overwhelmed sometimes by it. But I have to adapt to that change and to continue to be persistent and push through. I did take the job in Chicago. I romanticized what it would be like to make all this money. You know what it's like? Ain't shit. If anything, I'm just more stressed. (laughs) And the funny thing is, it's not like I haven't heard it before. More money, more problems. It's not like I haven't heard before. Money doesn't make you happy. Yet, I still forced that change. And I did it for a reason. It'll force me to be a better person no matter what comes from it. And I guess that is kind of the point of change. It forces you to deal with the here and now. And if you're lucky, it forces you to be a better person. Those cops from 25 years ago, that birthed this chip on my shoulder, those cops, this chip, it's forced me to be a better person. Even if it took 25 years to realize that. But change, it can be hard. Today I found out that my little cousin passed away. He was the same age as my little brother. I treated him like a little brother. I'm going to miss him. The change that his mom is going through, my aunt, the change that my other cousins are going through, his siblings. I can't, I've never experienced it. I can't even imagine that change. I can't imagine the pain of losing your child. I can't imagine that change. I don't want that change. And though I try to force change, I really can't control it. I'm at its mercy, just like you are. It comes when it wants to come. It does what it wants to do. All I'm left to do is embrace it. That's all I can do. So, that's all I got for this episode. Normalizepodcast.com Remember, if you like it, share it. Don't be selfish with it. (laughs) Until the next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Rest in peace, Jamar. Dear God, I wonder, can you save me? Sometimes I wonder why I'm still alive. That shit amazed me. And I've been going through a lot. Try not to let it change me. And I know you know it all. I hope you know this ain't me. When that movie run back, will it be worth watching? I seen too many good niggas die and they hurt watching. I took too many, so today's motto is no losses. And still cautious, though niggas swear that they won't cross us. Hard to bid, but now my loyalty has been exhausted. Tried to forgive, but what they did, it never left my conscience. Sometimes I pop the bars and I try to forget I saw shit. Looking back's the hardest, but I'm back if I'm being
Ain't no say We only got 24 hours a day And I'm a little misguided, a little bit blinded But I'll find a way Free all my dogs And rest in peace to the ones that I lost Fuck what you think, it's the roller outfit I'm in pull out my drink Ayy, they say We only got 24 hours a day And I'm a little misguided, a little bit blinded But I'll find a way